Mostly Pod Out Night. Mostly, I am Graveyard, joined by my co-host, Salem. Hello. This is episode 41 of our weekly All Things Horror podcast. Uh, so go back to the cabin or stay at home in your apartment building. It doesn't matter, as you will be dead by dawn. Stay groovy as we dive into the 2013 Evil Dead. And spoilers ahead for Evil Dead Rise. At the time of recording, we just watched this. We got out of it about 12 hours ago. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we were, we're just going ahead and finishing up the franchise of Evil Dead as we prepped, uh, prepped for Evil Dead Rise. Uh, so like I said, 2013, Fetty Alvarez and Lee Cronin's uh, 2023 Evil Dead Rise. Um, yeah, and I think out of our rating systems, out of 10, uh, we're doing Necronomicons because these movies introduce potentially books two and three or volume two and three of the necronomicon ex mortis oh they don't even call them uh, they call them the, the the book of the dead or whatever or correct like monstro or something yes yes and we'll get into kind of a little bit of those theories as we as we get into these um as as salem knows and our listeners knows evil dead is my favorite franchise of all time I know way too much about these, the original trilogy at least. Um, and surprisingly, Evil Dead, the 2013, don't watch it very often. Um, I don't know about you. You probably seen it what twice now. <laughs> yeah, no, this yeah this is this time is my second time seeing it. The first time I saw it in the theater, right when it very first came out, and I oh, ten yeah, years I, ago. <laughs> I have not watched it since then. So this is only my second time ever watching. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's get into it. We'll do our normal thing, recap it, first thoughts, all that jazz. So um kind of starts off with a uh girl being chased through the forest uh by let's call them Appalachian hillbillies. Seemingly, right? It is very is very like wrong turn ish vibes. Right, right, yeah, and I think uh, I think the worst part of this movie is that this is never expanded upon. Correct. This is like probably the most interesting part of the movie. You're like, what is going on here? Like, what is with these hill folks? Like, are these hill folks actually like good hill folk? Like, are they being good? I mean, obviously they don't start out that way, but you're like, oh, these are like. Like good hill folk. These are like protective hill folk. What's going on with that? Nothing. Nope. Yeah. We got nothing else. Never Correct. never ever expanded upon. None of those characters ever reappear. They're never even named. <laughs> nothing. I, I think that's just uh, unforgivable. A very missed <laughs> missed note there that they just never ever return to them. Well, I thought for a second when we get to Evil Dead Rise, that it was gonna be the same thing. Quite honestly, because it kind of starts off the same way. Right. It's like, what What do you mean? Like, I was like, the whole time, I'm like, when are these other people going to show up? Like, what is going on? And they, like, barely tacked it on at the very end. Like, it was lamely tacked on. Yes. Um, um, yeah. I think they yeah. these got, both of these guys went to the same film school, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we see here kind of essentially being captured and like, oh, you know, crap we have bad bad hill folk as you're saying um they tie her up you know had put a burlap bag over her head 
and it seems like a very uh possession ish but you know that she is this is a exorcism um but just kind of really like i said wrong turn hillfolk um one is definitely mutilated uh and then we kind of see you know an old hillfolk woman kind of reciting stuff from the book the necronomicon x marks um and you know we see a older guy go up to her is like he's like oh it's daddy you know where's mommy oh you killed her you don't remember uh and then she gets possessed we can well the the ideas then you realize is that um she is possessed by the evil dead and you know that characteristic of i'm okay just to mess with you then you switch back to the deadite version um and yeah the, the old woman's reading from the book and the dad kind of dumps it looks like piss honestly when he it's, first dumps it's, it's it on gasoline her. and like a vitamin water bottle yeah um so you know saying i'm gonna swallow your soul we get classic lines there uh but he sets her on fire which is for being soaking gasoline it starts off pretty damn low at her feet and then rises. Well, it's because it's yeah, he's, very he's slow. well, he spilled it over her head, um, right. and I'm, I'm assuming the remains of it dripped onto the ground, and then he couldn't get the match lit. So she was like talking all kinds of shit. He couldn't get the match lit, and then when she like le- rat, you know, reached out and like grabbed him or whatever, then he finally got the match lit, but he dropped it on the ground. So it lit the stuff on the ground on fire and then slowly worked yeah. its way up the body. That's why it didn't start at her head immediately. Well, I'm saying it, it was a slow moving fire for it being gas. Like gas is like very fast when you light on fire. Maybe it was really old. I mean, hey, these are, I mean, these are hill yeah. folk you're talking here. That's true. Um, But that's still where she was still alive and he essentially explodes her head. <laughs> With a shotgun. Well, I mean, with a shot, yeah, was, with a shotgun, yes. Yeah, Um, and then it's an indeterminate amount of time. I, I'm just watching, looking over the plot, and it's saying three years later. It doesn't um, say when it is. No. It just, yeah, it just, later. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's definitely later. Um, So essentially, we see who, at this point in time, David, which is... uh. We assume that this is a remake and this would be the new Ash because he's wearing the blue denim jacket, um, you know, and he meets his friend uh, who introduces uh, his new girl to Natalie to this group. And we find out that, you know, they're two hours late, that they're pretty far away from wherever they're supposed to be. Um, Quick Easter eggs is that we, you know, we see his sister. Mia, who's wearing the um, Detroit University shirt, which is where uh, all these people came from in the original Evil Dead. You know, they came from Michigan University. So, quick little Easter egg and nod there. Um, we are also introduced to uh, Eric, who is, I, I've lack of a better word, Scotty, <laughs> right? The death, the plaid jacket, the you know, kind of that guy, um, kind of an ass, 
Well, I mean, I would say like visually maybe Scotty, but definitely not an attitude. Correct. Correct. Um, And then Olivia, who, you know, was introduced as to a nurse. The the exposition's up like, oh, you're the doctor. No, I'm the RN. Okay. I mean, you're in the medical field. For someone that's never met you before, that's close enough. Get over yourself. Right. And so they're there to find out that Mia's there, which is David's sister, that she is a heroin addict and she's there to detox. Well, they don't specifically say what drug she's on, but I'm assuming yeah. heroin. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, that they went to this cabin that was their childhood cabin growing up and they hadn't been there, what, 10 years, let's say? Something like that. Right, even, though the, picture, even though the pictures on the wall look like they happened yesterday. <laughs> Correct. Uh, and, you know, they're like, you know, you weren't here last time. She lasted eight hours. We tried to do this before. You weren't there. You know, he was, you know, got a job at the garage in Chicago. Um, you know, so we're still in the same vicinity of the original two, right? Because, you know, Army Darkness doesn't take place in Tennessee or this area. Uh, I mean, it might. It might. It's true. Um, but, you know, they went through the, you know, also there's Grandpa, the dog. The German Shepherd, um, which is an interesting name for that. Uh, we do see her sitting on the 88 Delta. So we go, okay, is that a Easter egg? Is this a nod to this being potentially the same cabin from, at this point, 30 years prior? Um, so, you know, lots of questions, but good Easter egg hunks that, that they get pretty on early in the in the movie. Um, and then we go through this ritual where she's throwing her, uh, dope into the well, into a well, uh, and, you know, giving a little speech saying, I'm going to get clean this time. Uh, David, her brother gives her essentially a revamped version of the necklace that Ash gives Linda, but this is like a new age, you know, crystal type thing thing this time around well yeah but yeah but this one doesn't look like costume jewelry whereas in the in the first ones it looks like something he found in a dollar store this one at least looks like yeah he bought it from somewhere nice yes yeah so but it's still the idea is the same thing right it's a it's a trinket of love even though he doesn't believe in whatever it's supposed to be which i'm saying new age crap um but he's there for her. You know, she starts going through withdrawals. You know, we get a, you know, the the cold turkey situation, the sweats, the screams, not being able to do good. She's screaming about the smell that no one else seems to be able to smell. Um, I believe at this point in time, too, we get a shot of one of the rarest damn pot roasts I've ever seen being cut. Like, it was... Oh, that's Bloody the juicy. that's the next that's the next morning, um. But yeah, it that's is gross. Morning. It is gross. I was like, <laughs> I would not eat that. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like it's like roast beef if it wasn't cooked or smoked, and then cut like an inch thick. Yes, it was nasty looking. Right. Uh, so that's the next day. But anyway, so then they start realizing they're hey, she's right. There is a smell. 
because the dog smells it too. And then we get the the cat the cellar shot. Um stairs on a different side this time, but that's nitpicking. Uh they go down there and there's like a trail of blood being dragged into the cellar door. And which I don't know because that there's no way that rug car covered all of that blood. Because when they pull it back, it's like bigger. The blood stain goes past where the rug was. And well, I don't know how anyone would ignore that smell. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but the, the blood is like splotchy around the cellar door, right? So it looks like something was like slopped yeah. up against it. Now, uh, other than that, it just looks like streaks on the floor. And to be clear, the uh, the cabin, when they got there, had been previously broken into yeah. and looked like a tornado hit it. It was yes. like there was shit everywhere. So just streaks on the floor. I'm sure they probably wouldn't have really noticed. But yeah, with the splotches that were under the, the rug. Yes. Now there's it's an obvious thing. But it's like, yeah, they, they spent some time cleaning it up, but I'm sure they didn't clean up everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, the cabin complete disarray, which could have been like, oh, you know, is it in disarray from their last there? Because there's no way. Evil Dead would have taken place between their last visit and here, um, but something clearly happened. Well, yeah, somebody kicked in the door, so it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't them for sure, right? Um, so essentially, they go into the the cellar. They see a whole bunch of mostly cats, I believe, hanging from the ceiling. Instead of gourds, it's crosses and dead cats, <laughs> dead animals. Yeah. Um. You know, so they're kind of going through there. They're like, okay, this is weird. And then they find, you know, the old shotgun, double barrel shotgun. Um, and they find wrapped in like a hefty bag and then covered with barbed wire book. And they go, you know what? But Eric goes, let's let's just take this upstairs. Right. Okay. Now, <laughs> if you go into a room. That has a whole bunch of cats, like dead cats hanging from the ceiling that are tied up there with barbed wire, right? Yes. Uh, and then you see something in a garbage bag wrapped up with barbed wire. Uh, why would you assume it's not a dead cat? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why would you decide to grab this one thing out of this room of all of these things? I mean, I understand it's plot device, but like they didn't even try. No, I, I think this was parodied pretty well in, you know, Cabin in the Woods of them grabbing the same stupid thing. Right. Um, you know, talking about the steps being mushy because the first step is very mushy. I, mean, I don't know how anyone's stepping on that first step to that cellar because it is like wet and like collapsing well, as yeah, it To be fair, they didn't have any large people with them. They were all very little skinny people. So, yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, they, they go up there, they're kind of fixing the cabin up. They just happen to bring some tools like a nail gun, um, and just trying to make it look good for mom, which we find out later is pointless because <laughs> she's dead. So, well, yeah, but they're like, their reasoning for that. that's like a memorial thing. Yeah. That's like a memorial. Well, I mean, obviously the main reason that there is to like detox, uh, Mia, but uh, yeah, the like, secondary thing is the like kind of like a sort of memorial for the mom or whatever. Yeah, because the son had was not there at the end of her life or whatever. 
yeah, and we'll, we'll just say this now that she had what Alzheimer's and or dementia and just went crazy as well. And seeing all the stuff is what caused Mia. I I think the illusion is the alluded to is that she started doing hardcore drugs because having to take care of her mom and seeing all that crap that she went through. Which, if that's the case, is pretty fair. Um, yeah, no, it. yeah, she was uh, she was in a very stressful environment, and yeah, and if she was all the wrong elements are around her, then yeah, it's a high possibility. Yeah. Right, and like I said, the brother wasn't there, you know, when the mom went, and he regrets it, but he had, like I said, just started a new job and couldn't get the cash or whatever to go out there. Um, anyway, you know, we start seeing you know Mia going the the cold turkey, the sweats even more. She's saying, "I gotta leave, gotta get out of here." Um, you know, she thinks that she sees a, a vision of herself kind of possessed and she's like, Hey, we got to leave. Um, and you know, Eric, the, the Scotty of this group for lack of a better word is opening up the book and sees it and starts going through the pages and even says, Hey, don't read this in English. But clearly, he understands all these old Kandarian languages. Is able to start reading it. Um, he sees a page torn out, uh, and he does the old method of I'm gonna take this piece of paper, get some lead, and find out what words were taken out, and just happen to be you know vertical words. Happen to be vertical words, and then he just happened to read them out loud to himself. Yes. I mean, who does that? Eric, clearly. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if you're reading a book, you don't read it out loud to yourself. Correct. Whatever. Um, also, he, no, he does cut himself on the book and bleeds into it, which seems to be a uh, trigger in this movie and the next. Bleeding onto the book wakens up the evil dead. Yeah, well, um, yeah, we don't, we don't see the book, like, drinking it this time. Though. Correct. Um, anyway, so, uh, you know, Mia, while this is going on, Mia was able to take the car keys and start driving their car to escape. She swerves as she sees seemingly herself in the road. She crashes into like a big pond and it's raining heavily. Um, she gets out of the car and essentially we have the tree scene, um, but not as rapey she's still being choked she's being tied up um uh, it's pretty rapey dude well and then uh, uh let's call it the you know talking about you know abominations come out the ground after five souls are taken uh pukes up was it like a hairy vine and then that does go completely inside mia right the bottom so i'm saying that's this is the rapey yeah. part yeah um so, you know, we're this very then big illusion once again that she is Cheryl. You know, because it's this almost the same thing happens. Um, but she kind of goes into a, a, a stupor and you know, eventually they get her inside and uh you know, we know that she's probably possessed at this point in time. Um and it's rain very heavily so instead of a bridge being down the the they show them crossing like a, a stream in their car 
and it's kind of essentially washed out at this point in time because of all the rain. And um, so, you know, with all the heavy rain, the brother goes out and tries to find grandpa. And there's like a, a tunnel essentially from underneath a tree to going into the, the tool shed, work shed. And sees the dog has been beaten to death with a hammer. And we get a quick little flash of him seeing Mia killing grandpa with, with the hammer. Right. Um, which is he comes back inside, you know, where yeah. I don't know how he would have envisioned that. Right. Yeah. Again, I like I mean, yeah, he, he saw the bloody hammer, right? So like he knew that somebody essentially beat the dog to death, but his mind like he looks up like he's imagining what's happening and he sees Mia smashing the dog. Like, I don't know why his first thought would be like, Oh, my sister killed the dog. Like, why would your thought go straight to that? And then again, like he goes to try to confront her. And then this plot point is immediately discarded. And it's right. Because really upsets me. (laughs) Like, I really like it. They used this dog death for a plot point. And then they immediately discarded the plot point. Like, why? <laughs> why did you have to hurt the poor dog for a dumb ass reason and then immediately discard that reason? Yeah. Like, you could have just as easily walked into the room to talk to her without, I mean, because obviously he has a reason to talk to her, right? She was assaulted yep. by a tree. So, like, of course, there's a reason to talk. Why, why is there a dead dog involved? Like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get that part. Like, they needed some kind of weird, violent scene. The, to just stick in there for a second i don't know i don't know what they were right. thinking or what was going on but completely unnecessary yeah um so he goes in there to confront her oh she's taking a shower but you know she's she's we, he's like i gotta take her out of here and they go no she's just hurting you know hurt herself and the, but they were pulling like thorns that she got into a bramble and that she's doing all the stuff to herself just to get out of this because she is a junkie and is doing anything she can to get out of there. Okay. Um, now here's another thing that bothers me, right? Uh their brother and sister. Yep. She's in the shower and he's like, open the door. Yes. What? <laughs> like, just wait till she's out of the shower, man. What it's gonna take like what two minutes? You yeah. can't wait two minutes. Yes. Like, what that's just unnecessary and then he starts like and then she's not answering and he starts kicking down the door i'm like dude she's in the shower i mean obviously yeah. for the point of this movie yes it was i guess required for him to go in there for to continue the plot but unnecessary just who does that yeah well it, it, but we come to find out that she's not naked in the shower she's just in the shower fully clothed um and then the the hot water tank which is a fire it's driven thing on the wall like burst into flames and she's like scalding herself with hot water to like half her um, face is being burned right heavily. well yeah it's like uh it's like one of those water heaters where it's not like a water heater where like it fills up the tank and then heats that water and then you use that water it's one of those ones that heats the water as it flows through yeah so it's like a wood wood burning water heater i i don't know if it's a wood burning i don't know what it was <laughs> It looked, there was fire. <laughs> yeah, no, there was definitely fire. You yeah, know, I'm not disputing that thing. I just, I don't know what uh, design that thing had, but I'm pretty sure it was one of those smaller ones where it's supposed to heat it as it's going through, and then it somehow burst into like open flames. Yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was hot enough to burn her skin. And this might have been where we saw the uh, 
pot roast right before this the next day because she slept it off essentially right right um so he's like okay sorry this is where he drives like okay she's gotta go to the hospital you know and the nurse is like she, I'm giving her the same treatment that she potentially have here. I gave her some tranquilizers. I bought enough tranquilizer to kill a horse, to kill a horse, which is an absurd amount of tranquilizer to bring. Well, yeah, but then they show like she just got one little bottle. Did you yeah. see how much she injected in her the first time? Yes, she had enough for like maybe two shots. Yeah, <laughs> that bottle. Like, okay, yeah, right. That's gonna kill a horse. I highly doubt. It. Yeah, right. Um. So yeah. So anyway, things are going okay. This is this is crazy. We gotta take care of this. Uh, that's where he finds out the road is washed out. Um, you know, and then she essentially then is resting and she is possessed. Um, I think this is even where we get the line of my god, what happened to her eyes? You know, so there's some lines that are exactly the same. Um, but this time their eyes are like. Black better word jaundice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they yeah, they don't well because yeah, the original ones they just went white. Um yeah. but now yeah, they they get like um yellow. Yeah, like yellow eyes. Like yeah, almost like cat eyes. Yeah, so their skin is looks jaundice, and this is in this movie and the next one. Right. This is the only time we see dead eyes. I'm like we'll we'll get into that in the highlights and low points of the effects for the deadites versus the previous trilogy. Um. Anyway, he she gets a she gets a hold of the gun, shoots some buckshot, like like clips her uh, David's arm a little bit, and like okay, there is going to be just a weird amount of stuff going on here going forward. Um. They kind of are able to tackle the gun out of her, but the doctor was going to eject her more, and then. Uh, she gets pinned down and essentially just puked on heavily of blood or bile, a mix of combination of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Just I don't chunky know blood, chunky right. blood. Yeah, they did. They did a did a good job with that effect because yeah, if I was going to say blood vomit, that is exactly what I would picture. It's like a weird mix of blood and like stomach acid. Yeah, with weird chunks in it, and yeah, and that's they nailed it. <laughs> It's oh, like, absolutely! They, they, whoever did that that work did a great job. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is what the second puking scene we've had in this movie at this point in time, because she picked like puked up like porridge essentially <laughs> earlier, right? Um, so yeah, so she Olivia is covered with this, and if you know this franchise, once you're covered like that, you're you're not going to be okay unless you're Ash Williams. Um, but they're able to, well, he wasn't you know, okay either. Trying, he just, he just able. got better. Yeah. He got, I'm, I'm good now. Um, but yeah, they're able to kind of get, uh, Mia off of, off of Olivia. Eric kind of knocked her into the cellar and then just has essentially like a deadbolt on it. So we're missing the hooks and the chains at this point in time. It's just a deadbolt. And now we are at, you know, essentially Cheryl in the basement. You know, the girlfriend or the friend is, you know, taken care of. Um, but so Olivia is cleaning off her face and she has chunky stuff all over her and she's washing it off. And then she gets very, um, we start seeing her like 
essentially become a little bit possessed. Um, and then the book starts flipping through. And this is a continuation that goes on to the next movie as well, is you see scenes in the Necronomicon of things that are happening. So they showed a uh, a person essentially cutting off their face with a sharp knife or something like that, holding like the skin of their face in the book. Um, and then we see like a deadite version of Livia in the mirror. She smashes the mirror or explodes. The mirror explodes and then shards of glass are there. And we go, okay. Um, so Eric goes, okay, Olivia's been gone a while. What's going on there? You know, opens up the bathroom door. Lights aren't really working because it's just heavily raining. And then he sees Olivia kind of starting to cut off her own face. Not well either. She's like gouge out like a side of her cheek. Um, yeah, I mean, great, great special effects here at this point in time. <clears throat> Um, he gets stabbed, what in the in the shoulder with the shard of glass that she's using to cut her face, and then she gets out one of the needles, and just stabs him in the face repeatedly with the needle. Surprisingly, not in the eye. Um, well, uh, okay, close. yeah, try <laughs> to, and then it, eventually the needle breaks off right underneath his eye, like literally in the soft tissue underneath the eye. Yeah. And they show a, a scene of him pulling it out of there, which is not pleasant. Correct. But at least it wasn't oh, he in manages the eye. To... Correct. Surprisingly. We like eye stuff in there. Um, but uh, she, he's able to essentially kill her with, like, she breaks the bathroom sink and he bludgeons her to death with the porcelain sink. And that's pretty much it, right? She, I don't think she comes back. Surprisingly. Her head's pretty much mush at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, honestly, she doesn't need to at this point. Right. Um. So, yeah, so Eric got messed up pretty well, but still alive. You know, he eventually is taken to, he is taken to the uh, work shed to get patched up and they pull out the glass and bleeding everywhere. But this little bandit and duct tape is what's needed. Um, and he starts reading to telling David, like, Hey, I read from this book and all the stuff started happening. You know, like we got to get me out of here. He's like, dude, she's not a junkie at this point in time going cold Turkey. Like there's something evil, something wrong with this. It's not, she's not human anymore. Um, and while this is kind of going on here in the workshed, uh, Natalie, David's girlfriend, is kind of lured back to the cellar because, you know, the, the whole, I'm okay now, come get me. Uh, she opens it up and she uh, goes to check on Mia and she goes, no, I'm fine now. And then she turns around, bites her in the hand. Um. And uh, she stabs her briefly, too, I think. But uh, Natalie gets a box cutter and tries to stab her. And Mia takes it possessed again and proceeds to lick it, slicing her tongue kind of in two. Um, I know this is the scene that the wife never liked watching. That was in the trailers that could not watch. Um, Some some people pay good money for that stuff, man. I know. I know. 
Uh, now he tries to escape, and then that's when she's running and hits the board, trips a little bit. She claw claws her way out, but then she gets dragged into the cellar, and the cellar door closes. Um, yeah, and this we're I think we're back to. Oh no, yeah, she 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 essentially kisses Natalie after she wakes up and plunges her tongue into her mouth and spews blood into her. Um. But David comes back after being talked to, is able to get her out of there. Um, she goes in the kitchen, and, you know, David and Eric are discussing the the rules of the book. You know, that there is once five souls are taken, the abomination shall rise out of the ground and come out of hell and all that stuff, right? Um, as they're explaining to this, we get the classic possessed hand scene but a little bit different, not the black veins, but more of a uh, ooze or rot taking over her arm. Yeah, her arm she, wasn't looking too good. No, because she like squeezes the bite mark and pulls out like teeth or black stuff. It looked um, like she was pulling the, like leeches her, out or something. <laughs> or something like that, yeah. Yeah, Um, but the arm possession and she's very cool effects. It's not just the hand. It goes, what, three quarters of her arm? Or just past the elbow, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then she does probably one of the most ridiculous things in this entire movie is that she uses the uh, cutter, electric cutter, electric knife, to cut off her arm at that point. And yeah, I would no like to, I would like to see anybody use an electric carving knife to carve through a bone. Yeah, the bone part not happening. <laughs> That's what I was, I'm like, okay, the flesh, sure, it'll hurt like hell, but yeah, you could do it. Bone, no. Those things are not strong enough to go through bone. Correct. Well, I mean, it wasn't completely off either. She like pulls the rest of the so it should be like a bone. Oh, yeah, yeah but you ain't, you ain't pulling the flesh off a bone. <laughs> That's right. not happening. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, she that that's happening. Um, and you know, Eric's telling David, hey, you know, Mia needs to be purified and you can either do by a live burial, dismemberment, or being burnt alive. Now, one of those three, you don't necessarily have to die. Two of those three, you're going to die. <laughs> right? Right. This is actually to save her soul from being in hell. Um, like, no, we're not gonna do this. We just gotta get out of there. And all of a sudden, you hear the nail gun being used, and Natalie has now shot herself in a few times in the face with the nail gun. Um, poor Eric gets freaking shot a hell of a lot with the nail gun. David gets in the leg, which, as we all know, nail guns can shoot out that fast and hard without the trigger being the the safety mechanism being held well, out, you can right? you can bypass the safety. Like I said, in this movie, there would have been no reason for them to do so, but technically, you can. Correct. But yeah, the 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 thing shooting that far with that penetrating power, yeah, that's ridiculous. Correct. Um, but then she gets what a uh, pry bar, essentially, and starts beating the crap out of both of them. Right. She hits uh Eric in the head cuts his hand essentially in half with it it looks like and like okay this dude is like you know scotty was heavily damaged like this too that's why i was going to say this comparison to scotty uh, but somehow still kind of alive 
Um, she's like going to go fit. Now she's going to go finish him off. And then David gets the sh- shotgun and blows her arm off. So now she is armless. Kind of collapses to the ground, turns back to the human and bleeds out and dies. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. So David's like, okay, I need to burn this mofo down. So start getting gasoline, which I don't know where he got from. Probably the work shed. And starts dousing the house. He's like, okay, I'm going to purify this place. Uh, Eric is still alive at this point in time. Somehow. Not in great shape. Um, but he goes to, like, uh, he starts doing that. Then he reads other passages. Um, and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do the live burial. So he kind of does the quick montage of things you like get needles hooking up, up a car battery starts pre-digging the hole which is smart and he's gonna go get mia from the basement to bury her alive um goes into the cellar and she's kind of singing a song How, is this the same song that the mom sings evil dead rise uh i don't very very close i don't think so i mean they're both like lullabies they're both brought up as the song their mom sang to them when they were little right um and again, it's not yeah it's like it's like the uh mocking jay song that henrietta sang to yeah yeah they're yeah they're similar they're all in a similar vein i don't think it's the exact same song okay it's cl- very close though mm. Um, so he goes down there, he's a, you know, uh, sedate her with the last of the horse tranquilizer. Um, he gets thrown around and kind of drowned a little bit, but he's thrown thrown around a lot. Uh, yeah, this is, this is the bookcase scene. He gets thrown into a whole bunch of things against the wall that break as he hits the wall. Yeah. Um, Eric comes back, uh, is able to tranquilize her, but he gets finally like stab stab to death <laughs> uh and he just kind of dies and he gets put into the water um yeah, that that is a weird scene it is like he dies and then he just like pushes him under the water so like okay if, even if he was still alive now he's definitely dead because he can't breathe underwater yeah like, i don't it's, it's just a bizarre scene i have no idea why he would do that. yeah um uh, so yeah, so then David goes and buries her, puts a dress on her, puts her head in a bag. Okay, like I said, dirt. I think there's some kind of weird relationship going on here, like with his sister. Like I don't know, there's enough weird things here that I don't think they have a normal brother sister relationship. Well, and she says, "While possessed, I'll suck your dick." Right, <laughs> right. Again, there's like, I don't know, I don't. Maybe they were like they went through some trauma when they were younger, and they, you know did some stuff with each other. I don't know. I don't know. But they don't have a normal brother-sister relationship. And honestly, that's probably why he left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he buries her. She's kind of alive, but he doesn't hear her screaming. And, like a heartbeat's done. And then like a tree is on fire and then the tree goes out and he goes, okay, now I can dig her up. Like the evil is gone. The trees stop burning. Yep. Oh, uh, digs good, her up. It's a, it's a good indicator. Yeah, digs her up, uh, and uses his homemade defibrillator, which is two needles duct taped together attached to a car battery, which he flips the switch two times, doesn't work, tries to do a third time, 
nope, it's not working. So she's seemingly dead. Um, but he goes back to the cabin to get the keys. Like, all right, he's the sole survivor. He is the Ash. Um, and then he goes to get it, and lo and behold, Eric is a deadite now because he sur- he succumbed to his wounds. Um, so or maybe been- he was drowned. Oh, maybe, maybe he was actually he alive. Came, he yeah. came back for vengeance. Yeah. Um. So he's getting attacked. Mia's going there, but he pushes out the door with car keys. He has a shotgun. Shoots the gas tank, and the house essentially explodes and starts burning. So Mia's kind of left alive, and okay, now she's the la- now she- seemingly she's the last one. Um. So. Seemingly complete because she died and came back. You know, it starts raining blood, like large amounts of blood. Yeah, and see, now if it, if it was ever a time for Slayer to play, that would have been it. <laughs> yes. Uh, but as she gets the car keys, we finally get the iconic hand coming out of the ground scene, very uh, Carrie esque, and the abomination comes out from hell, essentially. Uh, she gets to the, the the work shed. She's gonna reach for a machete, but she goes, "No, there's a chainsaw." So we have our chainsaw. We have our blue gasoline in the water bottle. She fills it up and is trying to get out of there. All of a sudden, a passageway opens up. She's able to crawl through while the abomination is coming for her. She gets the machete is there and gets you know stabbed through the wall. She gets cut multiple times. She escapes out the back. She hides under the Jeep and she cuts off the abominations, both her legs with like one swipe of the chainsaw. Um, so abomination now crawling around. She tries to escape. Jeep gets rolled over onto her hand. Abomination's coming for her. She just rips her arm off from under being pinned under the Jeep, which, yes, the Jeep may have broken her bone. I don't know how it broken the bone enough to bear off her arm. Uh, and then well, I don't. I don't even think. I don't think it was broken because, yeah. like, she was still moving her hand around. Like yeah. it was fine on the other side. Again, I don't know if the like whoever made the effects in this needs to like go to an anatomy school to see like <laughs> limbs just don't tear off that easily. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um. So then she plunges. You know, she what she say? Uh, suck on this or come get some, and shoves the chainsaw and. Cuts the abomination essentially in half, which then gets back into the ground. And she's trying to get help. And we end with the book closing, saying it's still there because it doesn't burn. And post credit scene, Bruce Campbell looks at the camera and goes, Groovy. End of movie. That post credit scene was totally unnecessary. Like, Correct. It didn't even mean anything. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, maybe. So, uh, Let's start with you. What are your first thoughts seeing it 10 years ago and on the rewatch? Um, I mean, 10, 10 years ago in the theater, um, I remember just watching it going like, okay, I see where they're, you know, putting all the old evil dead stuff in there. Right. Um, that's really all. I don't remember much else. Again, I wasn't very impressed by it. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, this is great or anything. Like, again, I never bought the movie and I never wanted to watch it again <laughs> after that. So like, it was okay. I mean, we went just because we were big 
um, Evil Dead fans, you know. Right. And we had, you know, constantly watched it and talked about it up until that point. So it was like, okay, a new one's coming out. Oh, we got to go see it. Yes. So there was a big group of us that went and saw it. And I don't, I don't think anybody was impressed. No, it's, it's uh, unfortunately a forgettable film. Um, but I mean, it's, it's not bad. I mean, like no. it's, it's interesting. I mean, like I, it's essentially like what if evil dead was done in the modern day with like modern storytelling. And then you take all the comedy and camp out of it. Very, very little comedy, if any. No, no. Yeah. I don't it, think there's any at all. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is. It is pure horror. Right. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's named after the first one, but it, it would closely resemble the first one because the first Evil Dead didn't have a whole lot of comedy. It, it did have some, but not a whole lot. Right. Um, so it would more closely resemble that, but it's like they even took what little comedy there was in that out. Um, and then again, they, they put it through like a modern filter, you know, the modern reasons for being there, modern, you know, the people not filling, you know, the necessarily... You know, because like in the, in the very first one, there was very clear like you know gender roles and and stuff like that. But that's just a product of the time it came out, right? Yeah. Um. So it's like yeah, again, we just you know a slightly twisted modern telling of the original Evil Dead. And, and this is the debate that I always have with people: is is it's not a remake because it's not the same characters. Right. Do you consider it a sequel, a revival, or both, or reimagining? Because in my head, and canonically, which they never care about canonization in this series, is it's the same cabin, but a different group of people. Um, I mean, yeah, that's very possible. Like I said, I would I would call it a a spiritual successor. Yeah. Right. Like it it holds the same torch as the first one. Definitely not the second one at all, but the first right. one for sure. Um, and it and it holds that torch, but again, a spiritual successor can take place in the same world if it's allowed to. Most of the time, spiritual successors don't take place in the original world. It's because they wanted to make that original world movie and they couldn't, <laughs> for whatever reason, they couldn't get the rights. The people wouldn't let them do it, whatever it is. And so they made a movie that's a spiritual successor to it. That is what they wanted it to be, but obviously they can't put it in that world. So it's just their vision of it. So it kind of feels like that. Only it is they did actually get the rights for it, but they still went the spiritual successor route anyway, instead of a direct sequel. Um, so yeah, it, again, a spiritual successor that takes place in the same world, which is extremely rare, but I right. think that's the path that it took. Yeah, I mean, did you, on your rewatch, did you notice anything? I probably don't remember much, as you said, but do you think it was better than what you remembered? Um, A bit, because, I mean, at that time, I was still not really into horror movies. Like, right. I would watch them every now and again, you know, and again, I went because, you know, all of us wanted to go together. Um, and so I went, but at that time I was kind of jaded and uninterested in horror movies in general. So I think I was less interested at that time, simply because I was just kind of done with horror. Then. Um, yeah. I'm not quite in that same state of mind now. So I, I, yeah, in my modern mind, I would say it's a little bit better than it was the first time I saw it. Yeah. I mean, as you, as you could tell, me saying what I was saying throughout this movie is I, I drew big parallels to, you know, the original Evil Dead. I would never call it a remake um, just because it's not. It is a different group of people, as you said, a spiritual sexer. So it's, I envision it maybe the same cabin, maybe not, 
but um you know the especially the end credits you know you have um cheryl's voice warned them in the movie so cheryl exists in the movie in this in this world so that's why it's the same universe you know, well, yeah, the but they're also is, yeah, the is Nobi, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Nobi speaking the exact dialogue that he spoke on the tape recorder in the original movie, and then having Ash show up, we know it's Ash. To me, leads into Ash versus Evil Dead. Like this is kind of how you do it. I um, guess I just I, again I just think the Bruce Campbell cameo was just completely unnecessary. Again, there was there's no reason he didn't like he wasn't even wearing the outfit. It was just a headshot. Correct. You know what I mean? And all he did was pick his head up and say groovy. And like all these people are like, oh, my God, this is great. Like, there's no <laughs> there's no reason. Like, who cares? He shows up for like two seconds. He has no part of the movie at all. Yeah, like, it would have been more fun to put him in as like a cameo role or something like, you know, a gas station attendant when they're on their way to the cabin or something. Something like, like that, that would have yeah. been far more interesting and more of a wink to the audience than like a, a post credit sequence where he just groovy. Like, wow, that's completely unnecessary <laughs> and useless and just just total, you know, fan service. Yes. I mean, I liked it, but yeah. well, because uh, you're a little uh, fangirl for this franchise. I know. But in my head, that just helps cement it being that universe. And saying that ash does exist you know there there were plans of sequels to this there were plans of a crossover with him coming back that fell through and then we got ash versus evil dead instead now we're not saying that he can't come back i know he's retired from live action you know as of last year you know but he still may come back in some capacity in some way shape or form just not he doesn't want to be covered with blood and bile and all that crap anymore. He's sick of it. Right. I mean, again, is he gonna be around <laughs> attached to this franchise? Yes. Right. Yeah. So Absolutely. he's you know, he's gonna be like, you know, co writer. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe director further down the line, or definitely like producer. I mean, yeah, some stuff like that, sure. Yeah, I see him doing. He's gonna be attached to it forever. Yeah. But I don't see him doing any more. I think Ash vs. Evil Dead was that was the last of it. <laughs> that was the last you're going to get. Well, they are doing the animated show, which is a continuation of Astro Steve, but live action. Yeah, we're probably done video games and animation. He's going to continue to do voice work for it. So we'll continue that way with him at least. Um, Let's get into, and in, the, in the highlights of this, right? Um, You know, for highlights for me is this is, back to the purest form of evil dead it is a good way back into it you know it is horror at its roots and you know did it take someone other than sam raimi to bring it back to it yeah it did uh but well, to know, be fair original, i don't think sam raimi was ever actually there he was producer um no i mean like in, in his original movie i don't think he was at that level no um, but I mean, there were elements um of this, and essentially, they a lot of people are saying they even said too that there was no CG CGI in this movie, all practical effects. So still going back to the no, idea. No, there was definitely some. I could point to one scene in particular. Um, the scene where she gets her arm shot off. Yeah, and she turns around. The blood that is dripping out of that arm is most definitely cgi that is not real blood 
Okay. I can guarantee it. Are most of the effects practical? I'm sure, but I'm sure that even when they do that nowadays, they still go in and do post CGI stuff to make it look better. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying it's not solely practical. Right. But I mean, that's still a highlight though, is the return to form of horror and not heavily utilizing CGI. Um, I think that was great. And I think that was great that they, they kind of twisted ideas. Like uh, it, was a, it was a close formulaic version of it. Kind of like how Scream, uh, Scream 5 was a close relation to the original Scream, but just slightly different. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of reimagining, but not the same character, same universe, all that jazz. Um, it, like I said, it was, it's been always pretty forgettable as far as a movie for me because it doesn't seem very it doesn't have the same feel as evil dead so that's why i view it kind of differently but as far as a modern horror movie i think it's great what about you you know that's fair like i said i was saying before like this is you know evil dead through a a modern horror lens that's exactly what it is it's uh, but that's what I like about it. It's it's it's, it's gritty. It's dark. Um, it doesn't have that goofy, campy aspect right. um, that the original one had. Yeah, and it's it's like they said. It's just a distilled, you know, pure form of just you know standard modern horror using um, the idea of the original Evil Dead is more or less what I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, like I said, the characters though were pretty forgettable, unfortunately. Uh yeah. That's true. And, and and that's and that's really a shame. Yeah. You know, um I I thought this did well enough that you know I, I was excited just because at this point in time I go, okay, Evil Dead, as far as we know it, is done. Yes, the comics were still coming out, but to to have this Mike and I was okay with it when it came out of going, Okay, this universe exists, let's tell other stories in it. And I was okay with that. I'm like, okay, if this is how we're going to go going forward, let's do it. You know? Yeah. Well, again, like, you know, our group of friends, we liked the Evil Dead a lot. I mean, you know, we were big big fans, and there was constant, constant rumors that they were making another one. Oh, they're going to make another one. Oh, they're going to make a sequel. Oh, they're remaking it. You know, like all this stuff. It was constant, 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 and they always fell through. Yes. Um, Because, well, again, this was, um, well, when we first started looking, it was like early internet, which is extremely unreliable. Not that the internet's reliable now, but it was even more unreliable back then. Um, right. So yeah, we're constant rumors, constant stuff going on, and so it was like when it finally got to the point where one was going to be in the theater, we were just very surprised that it ever got that far. So we all decided to like go and see it. Yeah, I said though so for 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 the wife. She saw the trailers. She, okay, this is too much body horror, realistic body horror. Let's put it that way. She has major issues with that, especially the tongue cutting scene. Um, but as we watched it, she's like, "Okay, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be." I go, "No, it's it's not. It's not like hostile level. It's not you know no. cabin fever level. It it's Evil Dead level, <laughs> right?" You know, that, was there body horror in Evil Dead? Absolutely. Well, I would say this is a little darker yeah. <laughs> and more in depth than the original Evil Dead was. Like I said, like the original Evil Dead, they were wearing like Mickey Mouse gloves that were painted and stuff. Like it was, it was not scary effects at all. This one is definitely 
there is. Yeah. Um, but let's roll into your low points. I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah one, I, one I already, well, <laughs> one I already mentioned. I'm going to mention it again because it, it really bothers me is like poor grandpa. Yeah. Like he was, you know, just running around, just happy dog. Right. Um, and then just, oh, oh, we need a plot point. Uh, let's kill the dog. Right. Mm-hmm. Kill the dog. The You know, he's like embracing the poor dead dog. Um, and then again, we, we see like, oh, he had a vision of his his sister killing the dog with the hammer, which is, again, not true. Right. He's not psychic. Right. Um, so he doesn't know that. And he goes in. And again, that whole scene could have just been, oh, she's been in the shower for a long time. We should go check on her. Right. Literally, that could have been the plot point and no one would have been any seen any difference in there but no it said you got to kill the poor dog and then walk in and then make this plot point that immediately discards the death of the dog like yeah. it, it never bury it never mentioned again yeah like it's just just very stupid and unnecessary and i don't understand why it's there and it bothered me um and the other thing that i really didn't like about this movie is the demon voices they were so tragically bad um, I mean, it, it shares it with the with Rise as well. Is the demon voices are so horribly done? Yes. Like it, it's just like you know, in the original Evil Dead, you know, it was obviously like you know, put through filters and stuff like that. And it, but it sounded like what you would assume a demon voice sounds like, right? Mm-hmm. It, did it blow my mind or anything? No, but I didn't question that it was a demon voice. Um, and the both these both of these movies, the, the demon voice is so bad that it actually went. I actually went like wow that's terrible every time they said something it was like i couldn't even like be into like oh this is a demon saying this no it it just sounds like the character is saying it and again i'm not being judgmental here but when a woman says it in their normal tone of voice it's not really all that scary right and they left that in (laughs) and then they put like a a subtext goofy demon voice like under it so right. it, it just sounded terrible. It was just just so stupid. Every time they said something in the demon voice, any of them did. It's it was so comically bad that I had to like laugh out loud. I was like, how, how do you go this far on the effects? They said they did a good job on the effects, but then totally miss on this demon voice thing, which is supposed to be one of the scarier things in the movie. And it's like it's just so comically bad that it makes you laugh every time they say something. So there's there's no like intentional camp in this movie, but that voice was the only thing that made me laugh this whole time. Well, I mean, and to your point, at this point in time, you know, twenty third, we have had forty years of demonic voices. Let's say starting with The Exorcist, and right. the voices were the demonic voice was so much better in Exorcist forty years previously, thirty years previously for Evil Dead, and. Right, like I've heard a lot of demon voices, right? Because I've watched a yeah. lot of movies with demon voices in them. And again, you know, sometimes I've been like, oh, that sounds really good. Or sometimes I'm like, ah, whatever, that's passable. Not once have I been like, this is horrible. And this is the first movie that really makes me think, wow, that was just so bad. Like, who is your sound guy? You should be fired. <laughs> um, And I, yeah, we'll get into that in the next one. <laughs> yeah. Um, But I will say the demon voices bothered me in that one as well. Um, they were very, very not well done. That, well, I would say some characters are done better than others, but some of the characters, their demon voices were so stupid that I just really wanted to, like, you know, throw tomatoes at the screen. Like, it was like, just stop. The, it, it seemed dubbed. Yeah, it was bad. 
Yeah. Uh, but it will it will get into that in a minute. But yeah, those are those are my low points. Yeah, obviously for me, dog dog deaths, low points, absolutely. Um, and to your point, anyone other than her brother could have gone to the shower. To the bathroom, right? Just that the whole that whole event, scene of a like series of events was just unnecessary. Yeah, um, Eric was a horrible character all around. I, like you didn't feel you didn't feel bad that he was getting like torn up at all. No, yeah, he was like uh, the annoying friend. He right. felt he felt like the guy that nobody likes, but he was useful in some way. So they brought him with. It was like right. I don't think anybody like interacts with him in a pleasant way in that whole movie. Not at all. Like everybody, like all. even when he's talking to the brother <laughs> in the beginning, he's like abrasive and shitty. Like yeah, he's, he's just not nice to anybody. So yeah, it's like yeah, there's you can't have empathy for him because he's never shown as being good. Like again, you're supposed to use one of the tropes, man. If you want this guy to be a good guy, you got to show him petting the dog. Right. Okay. The dog has to come up and like him, and then he pets the dog, and then we know he's a good guy, even if he's annoying and you and you don't like the way he talks to other people. You know he's good because he pet the dog. There's not even that. We get nothing. He's just annoying. No. He's annoying. He reads from the book, causes all of this, mm-hmm. and it's just the worst. He, yeah. Yep. Um. And you know, yes, were the effects in Evil Dead One and Two for demons, as we you know talk about makeup stuff like that, were they? Not always good. No. Were the demon effects in this any better? I don't think so. Like I said, they're jaundice. That's their possession, essentially. Yellow eyes and yellowish skin. Yeah, That's they it. yeah, they get yeah, they get pale and they look like a zombie kind of. And it's it's very it's closer to uh Reagan and Exorcist possession than it is Evil Dead possession. Evil Dead had its own unique look to it. And I I felt like if you're going to do a possession, make it closer to the original as opposed to like a modern day. Because changing the eye colors doesn't, it's that's like the now sign for possession. In, in well, yeah. What, well, well, 15 well, years, 20 years of horror movies. Well, exactly. But this was one of the founding ones of that. <laughs> like solid, solidifying that this is what happens when you get possessed, you know. But yeah, again, this was just the time period that this came out. That was how you signified that they are, uh, you know, a zombie or two undead or three, you know, uh, sick yeah. or diseased in some way. Like I, any way to show or, you know, any kind of thing bad happened to them. It was like they always looked the same way. They would always have either yellow or black eyes and then the pale skin and then like kind of sort of not necessarily rotting, but looking like a zombie. That and, was that's like the universal something's wrong with this person. Right. And to me, that's where it fell flat is that it went the generic route versus its own unique route or even the original Evil Dead route. I think it would have been better if they went down that path instead of the path they did for the Deadites. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't because I didn't really feel yeah. one way or the other about it, but yeah, it's fair. Well, I mean, they their eyes changed or the milky opaque crap in, in the original trilogy and he you know, said you still have these lines in this both these movies is my god what happened to her eyes to show that there's eyes changes but other than that to not tell much of a difference is not i don't think good you know no. that it's not such a dramatic switch between the human form and the dead eye form is what right I'm yeah yeah it's like you know you sometimes you don't know if it's on or off that's right fair. 
that's fair and that like evil that it's very clear <laughs> yeah it's one or the other right <clears throat> um so like i said of we're doing a number of Nef- necronomicons out of 10 because as far as we're concerned this now five movies is there's three books three volumes and we'll get more into that in the next movie but um i'll i'll go for it like i said this is i, I don't know how many times i've watched this now maybe four as opposed to you know the originals which is saying something for me for being such a a fanboy of evil dead for me not to continuously watch this movie as well um like i said it's not a bad movie but it's not the, a, a great movie and to me it's not anywhere you know it's not gonna be the full 10 um but i'm probably going 7.5 necronomicons out of 10 for this one it's it's rewatchable but it's not on my watch list of rewatches if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh what about you how many necronomicons out of 10 do you give this um I'm going to go with 5.5 Necronomicons out of 10. Um, I feel like it's, yeah, it's just a very, very average horror movie. Um, You take the evil dead away from it and it would be a very, very forgettable movie. Like a movie that nobody would really care to rewatch. And just because it's got the evil dead name on it is really the only thing that makes you want to watch it again. Yeah. Um, So yeah, to me, to me, yeah, I really don't again. it. Ten years ago, I watched this movie, and I have had zero desire to rewatch it since then. Um, I rewatched it again, obviously for this, but yeah. So I, it, it would take a lot for me to want to rewatch it again later. Like I said, it, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not necessarily a bad movie. Um, it's not great, but again, you take away that Evil Dead name. Like if it was just uh, another horror movie made without that Evil Dead franchise behind it, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would have done nearly as well as it did. Business now. Fully agree with that. All right, then, Mr. Salem, why don't you go ahead and bring us into Evil Dead Rise? And this is everyone's spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen this yet, and time this podcast comes out, it'll have been out for what five days. So make sure to watch it before continuing on this podcast. This will be major spoilers ahead for Evil Dead Rise. Yes. Uh, okay. So the movie opens up, um, with what appears to be like, you know, the typical demon, like rushing through the forest kind of shot. Um, and then, you know, zooming over a lake and then zooming up to uh, a girl sitting and reading on the, on a boat dock. Um, and then we realize it's just a drone. Um, and it was like, some dude is like, laughing because he scared her and then she's all like oh it's a good thing you didn't, that thing didn't come close to me it would have chopped me up with its blades i like i don't know i don't know what drones you've seen lady but drones don't <laughs> chop people up like those things are made out of plastic if they touch you they'll shatter yeah um anyway so she's all upset about that so she goes uh inside to to check on her friend who is apparently not feeling well um, and she's like just kind of laying there, like at the boyfriend mentioned that he gave her a Kalana pin to knock her out, right? Um, and she's just kind of laying there, which, and I have a, which I have a problem with because I take Kalana pin and it doesn't knock me out, right? I, I've I've talked to people on Kalana pin and they've been totally conscious. 
I know it's an anti-anxiety thing. I, just, <laughs> I don't think it's a go to sleep <laughs> thing, but whatever. No. Um, so, yeah, so she goes in there to read her book uh, to keep an eye on her friend. Um, and she's like making fun of the boyfriend and she's kind of sort of giggling like half asleep. Um, and then she's reading her book and then all of a sudden um, her friend sits up with her back to us. Um, and then she starts like reading the stuff that's on the page, um, which is kind of like what happened in, uh, is that Evil Dead 1? Ace of Spades, Queen of Hearts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, <laughs> it was basically like a callback to that scene where like she could like read their mind kind of sort of thing. Um, so anyway, yeah. So she's like, you know, reading uh, her kind of mind and she's like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then she like f- just falls off the bed. Yep. So she goes over to like check on her, like, oh, what's going on? And then she looks like she's dead. And so she gets real close to like, you know, see what's going on. And then, of course, eyes pop open. Uh, same, you know, possession eyes as in as in the first Evil Dead. Well, the the first uh, 2013 Evil Dead. Um, t- you know, t- the typical zombie. Like we said, they look exactly the same as they did in the first movie, more or less. Yes. Um, grabs her braid and then just scalps her, just rips the top of her scalp right off. All of her hair just rips Very it brutal. all off. Right. Um, and then it cuts to her running out onto the boat dock with her, you know, hair being gone, bleeding all over the place. And the boyfriend is still out there playing with his drone. Uh, and he goes, oh, no, what's going on? And then the girlfriend shows up. Um, and then she takes the drone and like smashes into her, her own face. And then it does cut up her face. Blood spewing. Everywhere, right. Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know what kind of drone. <laughs> yeah. Unless he like made it himself and put like scissor blades as the rotors. I don't know what is going on with this drone anyway. Um, so yeah, she throws it into her face and then she jumps into the water. We see like blood pooling everywhere. <laughs> Um, so the boyfriend jumps in to go like save her. Um, he gets dragged under, and then we see his head flop <laughs> onto the dock. Um, yeah, so that yeah, so that everybody is dead essentially. And when she comes rising out of the water, um, kind of like flying, we get the whole Evil Dead Rise title behind her, and then she zooms at and presumably kills Scalped Girl. Yes. Um, I, I just gotta point out that for her all the blood that came out of her face she had very minor cuts on her face well okay uh, do you know how much blood has to be in water for you to be able to see it <laughs> I mean, we're talking like yeah you'd have to cut open a fucking whale I mean there's a lot of blood or <laughs> to see red in a lake but whatever I know it's a common trope in movies that they show blood underwater but in reality you would not see it unless it was like a clear like pool in your backyard, then you would. But if you're in a natural lake, you would not see blood in it. Um, anyway, so then it, it cuts one day earlier, right? And we expect to see, okay, maybe one of those characters. Nope. Uh, we are introduced to a completely different group of characters. <laughs> um, anyway, so we start off with uh, Beth, who uh, is a guitar tech. Um, um for oh, a for yes. a big band they never mentioned who the big band is but. right oh that, that's the thing they say a lot and this is like oh you're right no i'm a guitar tech. right yeah so yeah roadie slash groupie slash guitar tech it is all interchangeable in this movie they call her all these things um whatever she works with a band in some way shape or form right 
never mentioned yeah. what band it is, but she's not in the band. She just does work for the band. Um, anyway, so yeah, we see her like take a pregnancy test. Um, and then she just like shows up at her sister's house. Um, and her sister is living in a old apartment building. Um, and she has three children that live with her. Um, uh, there's the older daughter. I think she's the oldest, right? It seems like yeah. it anyway. Anyway, her name is Bridget. Um, there's the a boy, which is the middle um kid. Uh, his name is Danny. And then there's the little girl um who seems, I don't know, six, seven. Um, yeah. and, and she is Cassie. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, uh Beth has not seen Ellie is the mom's name. Has not seen Ellie in a long time. So they kind of like reconnect and you know she's like you know handing out presents and getting to know everybody again and she's asking questions about where the dad is um and then you know she kind of has the kids she's like okay you guys go get pizza i gotta talk to your aunt um so the three kids go and take the car to go get pizza um and she basically explains that the dad left her months ago um and that she tried calling her to tell her months ago and she didn't answer the phone and then she's like, oh, I was all in the zone in my guitar tech job. <laughs> so I never called you back, even though it happened months ago. Um, so she basically came yeah. here to like yeah, ask her sister what she should do about this whole pregnancy. thing. Uh, again, we are never told who that father is or what her situation is or what even what she wants to do. We get none of that. It's just that's all the that's all the setup we get for for her character. Um, so anyway, the kids come back with the pizza. Um, you know, they've basically were shown that this building is like falling apart. Um, yep. You know, because it's going, it's condemned and it's going to be torn down in a month. So nobody's bothering to fix anything anymore. So like, you know, doors don't quite work. The elevator doesn't quite work. You know, the, the, the gate to get in the parking garage doesn't quite work, blah, blah, blah. Um, so they have a hard time getting into the gate. They finally get into the gate. And as they're all walking towards the elevator with the pizza and the drinks and everything, um, an earthquake hits, uh, not a major earthquake, but a earthquake big enough to, uh, knock everything off the walls and shelves and also create a big, huge crack in the parking garage floor. Right. Uh, and that, uh, opens up, I guess it was casually mentioned earlier that this huge building was once part of an old bank. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't matter other than this next thing I'm going to say is that the crack opens up what appeared to be the old bank vault in the basement. Um, and so Danny, being very curious, uh, jumps down there uh, to check it out. And it's like a very old, dusty bank. And he's like looking through stuff. Um, and he's a DJ who likes uh, records. So, of course, he's looking through all these safety deposit boxes to see what's there. Uh, and he opens up one and he finds a bunch of old records and he goes, "Ooh, you know, this is this is cool. So they're like, you know, old timey, you know, from like the 1920s vinyl. Um, so he put he puts those in his bag and then underneath it, he sees like this book and it's it looks kind of valuable. Um, so he takes it thinking that he maybe he can sell it, um, you know, to give his mom money, because obviously he knows, you know, with dad being gone the mom, and she's getting evicted from this house, she needs money. So he's just trying to help her out. Um, so they go back, um, they, they come up the elevator uh, and then come out. Now, the the mom and the, and the aunt were obviously worried because the power had just gone out. <clears throat> or I think it goes out as they're walking towards them or something. Yeah whatever um so the power goes yeah, out we but get a good big exposition dump of all the other tenants left in this high rise 
Right. Which are, again, you think it might be important. Uh, it's really not. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it is really not. I would, again, I was thinking about introducing those characters, but ultimately they are just there as for body count. Like it does not matter who these people are at all. Correct. Um, so yeah, there are other people in this building that we are introduced to casually and minorly, but again, they don't matter other than adding to body count later on. So I'm not even going <laughs> to, um, okay. So everybody gets back to together again. Um, you know, the kind of commiserate over what's going on. Obviously they lost the pizza and everything, but uh, you know, everybody's fine. Um, so they're all like, you know, doing their own thing. The aunt's helping the little girl take a bath because she's like scared of water. Apparently, um, the, the yeah. boy is, uh, trying to play the records on his big DJ system that he has. Uh, um, and he's like, he has to like slow down the record with his finger, um, to like hear what they're saying. And it's basically, um, you know, the Necronomicon, right? So him and his, uh, sister are like looking at this book like hey how much money do you think we can get for it he's trying to open it and it's like held together with like what like little canine teeth or something yes um and it doesn't open up until he cuts himself and and drips blood on the book and the book like drinks the blood and whatever accepts the blood and then opens up um and he's looking through it and then the you know the uh the his older sister is kind of like nah, you you really shouldn't be doing this like this is bothering me i don't want to look at this because there's like you know it's like looks like it's inked in blood and there's all kinds of like bloody, nasty, horrible things happening to the pictures in this book. She's like, yeah, you should get rid of this. <laughs> you should not keep this. Uh, that's all I want to say. I'm leaving. Um, so she leaves. So then he immediately goes to listen to these records to see what's on them. Um, and of course, one of them is this priest in 1923 reading uh, the translations of the book. Um, so just like how, you know, Dr. Nobi did in the original, um, that causes the, uh, the demon to come back now. Right. And, and something to point out his, they say, this is the third volume in this series of the book confirming that there's two other books before it. Cause none of the books look the same. <laughs> right. That's like, it's third edition. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so they do that. He tries to like turn it off because obviously this is like you know bad things are happening and it sounds bad. He doesn't like it. He tries to turn it off and he can't. <clears throat> um, yep. Yeah. No. No. Sorry. Yeah. The power is not out as of this point because obviously he would not be able to do that without power. So after that, uh, get the reading happens and then the mom. Uh, finds a bunch of dad's old stuff while she's picking up all the stuff that fell off the sh the walls from the earthquake. Uh, she puts all his stuff in a box and she's going to go throw it out. Um, so she gets in the elevator. She goes downstairs um, to throw the stuff out. And that's when the book gets read. Um, and then she gets in the elevator to go back up. And then essentially she has uh, the tree scene. But instead of a tree, it is the electrical wires from the elevator. Yeah. Um, and there is not a rapey part, which is good. <laughs> um, it's just like, yeah, she gets like hung and, you know, basically held in place with all, you know, all her limbs get like strung up and everything. Um, and then when the elevator gets all the way to the top, she like essentially um, gets possessed more or less. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's yeah. like walking back in the house. And I think this is the point where the power goes out. Yeah. 
whatever, somewhere around in here. Um, so she, the power goes out. She goes back in um, as the kids are like scrambling around looking for, for flashlights or whatever. Um, they see her come in and they're like, mom, what's going on? And then she like just turns and goes into the kitchen. Um, they go to follow her like, hey, what are you doing? And she just turns on the stove. Now, <sighs> here is a huge problem that I had with this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Whoever wrote these scenes, because this stove is used at least three times. Yes. Um, if you have a stove that has an electric ignition and the power is out, uh, you can't light your stove Correct. with you. Okay. With using the electric ignition, you can light it using a lighter or a match or something. Sure. The gas still flows, but the clicking yeah. sound that you hear when it ignites is electric. Now that sound goes click, 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 click. And it lights the stove and it does this three times during the course of this movie. And the power is out that entire time. Yep. Okay. So someone who did this or wrote this or filmed it did not understand how stoves work and that an electric stove actually needs power to function. (laughs) There are stoves that don't require an electric ignition. They have like pilot lights um, and they could have used that stove in this building, considering it's a very old building and no one would have questioned that at all. But no, they had to put in the clicky stove to deliberately make themselves look like they don't know what they're doing. And it bothered this shit out of me because, again, it happened three different times during this movie where they go to click, click, click to turn on the stove when the power is clearly out. And they had candles everywhere. They could have just lit it with the candle, lit it with a mat, anything, and it wouldn't have mattered. But no, they had to take the stupid route. Anyway, so she lights the stove and she puts a pan on the stove and she starts throwing eggs in the pan. And, and we're talking eggs and, or shells and all. And we're talking eggs that are kept outside of a fridge, by the way. Right. Which, I mean, I guess you can, but you'd have to use them pretty fast. And there was a lot of eggs there. There's <laughs> only her and three children. So I don't know. Yeah, those are probably bad eggs. Um, but anyway, so she's throwing them all in this pan, shells and all, and she's like trying to scramble the eggs, but it looks, it appears like blood is dripping into the eggs. Not well, that anyone all, would eat it. Also the eggs, anyway. There's also blood in the eggs as well. She drops them, there's blood. So clearly I think, it, I think it was just blood from her face. I think it was like she was throwing the eggs in the pan and blood from her own face was oh, mixing in it. I thought she dropped one on the ground. And blood came out of the shell, too. I just assumed the bag. Well, she did drop one on the ground. I don't think there was I don't think there was blood in that one, but whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So she turns to look at them and yeah, she's like all messed up. It looks like somebody beat the crap out of her. She's got blood all over her face and stuff. And they're like, oh, we we don't we don't know what's wrong. What's going on? So they like basically have to like guess she collapses after like vomiting up what like a gallon of milk. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. It's gross. That is everywhere. And it's immediately cleaned up because I don't know where it goes because it's not there <laughs> throughout the rest of this movie. They don't show anyone cleaning it up, but it goes away immediately. Maybe it just quickly absorbed into the ground. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they essentially lay her down in bed and she just like dies. Yep. Uh, yeah. And so they're like, oh, no, what happened? You know, and we're talking like, you know, fly crawling around on her eye, like dead, <laughs> like very dead. Um. So the daughter, you know, the the aunt Beth is all upset about the death. She's like crying. Like, what do I do? Like, what am I supposed to do now? You know? Um, and then she like gets back up 
And she's like, oh, my God, it's a miracle. You're alive. And then uh, she like goes crazy and she starts, you know, using her horrible demon voice <laughs> and screaming and they're all fighting. And they essentially what they do is they lock her outside, <laughs> like in the hallway, um, not before she attacks uh, her daughter, uh, Bridget, with her. She, I guess she was a tattoo artist. It was her job. Anyway, yeah. It doesn't matter. But yeah, she attacks her daughter with a tattoo gun in her cheek. And then kind of, uh, what does she do? Like licks it, right? Yeah. Yeah. She licks it, which is, we all know in the Evil Dead world, if you get a wound and a demon licks it, you are now infected with demon germs. You have demon yep. cooties. Um, yeah. So, uh, but after that happens, they fight her off. They get her in the hallway um, and they, you know, lock the door. They put some kind of goofy, weird chain on the door. I don't know what that was all about. Uh, but then they also move a big cabinet and they basically hold the door. Close. The reason I think the chain is there is to be reminiscent because the hallways act as the cellar, so they have that cellar chain on the door. Okay, yeah, that that's how sense. I view it. That's fair. <laughs> I was just I just noticed that I'm like that's a that's like a heavy chain. Like why is that with a padlock on it? Why is it just sitting there? Um. Anyway, but yeah, I guess it would make sense if that's what they're going for. Um. Anyway, so they're watching around the hallway, and this is where I said, uh, you know, if I had introduced those other characters, uh, you may have cared what's going on. But essentially, she just kills everyone else in the entire building in the hallway. That's including it. a kid. Yeah, yeah. There's a kid. Um. Well, I thought two kids. I mean, the one kid was an older. He was like a teenage kid, but then we you know, one kid was like younger. Um, yeah, like literally rips the arms off the kid <laughs> and throws him against the wall. She, okay. Go ahead. I, I, I just want to say that we do get this is in this hallway scene is we do get an homage to Evil Dead 2 because she bites the eye out of her neighbor and spits it into the mouth of the teenage kid. So the whole eyeball thing and Bobby Joe Ian eye is very prevalent here in this hallway. Scene. Well, uh, Bobby Joe, they just showed the eye going in her mouth. Yeah. But in this one, they don't even show the but eye. They just show it like him choking on something after the eye gets spat at him. So like, we know it's the eye, but we don't see it. Right. Um, he, he chokes to the eye to death. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So, okay. So she murders what, like five people in the hallway. And again, yep. these are all people that we were like minorly introduced to earlier in the, in the movie. But again, like I said, it doesn't matter because they're dead now. Well, plot point is one of the guy has a shotgun. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. And this is in the Evil Dead world. If they have a shotgun, it's always going to be a double barrel shotgun, which is like a double barrel shotgun went out of functionality in like, you know, the 1850s. Like no one buys a double barrel shotgun. anymore. The only people that do is like people that go skeet shooting. And even then it's an over under. It's not a side to side double barrel right. shotgun. Nobody buys it anymore. You can get a pump action shotgun that will function better faster hold more rounds all everything is better than that and you can buy it for like the 200 dollars. no one yeah, is ever but, going I mean, to buy a double is, shotgun but but this is the shotgun most movies go to because it's the standard look that what people envision a shotgun to look like what movies like to do the yep and you can't do that with a double barrel shotgun uh-huh. So like if you're gonna have a shotgun, you always gotta do that noise. You need to have a pump action shotgun to do that. Yes. Again, I don't know. But again, we're in the evil dead world, so if anybody ever has a shotgun, yeah. it's always going to be double shotgun. But yes. 
So we see a minor scene where he shoots her. Uh, she basically completely ignores it and then kills him. And now there's a shotgun in the hallway. Yes. I guess that's, yeah, that's the only thing that we need to know from that point. Right. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so they're all like inside. And of course they all like just go split up and do their own thing. <laughs> Um, so the next thing we get is the daughter, uh, because she got the cut on her face and got licked. Of course, she starts becoming um, a deadite. Um, she goes in the kitchen, you know, and they show it spreading from her wound or whatever. And then she coughs up a whole bunch of like worms and bugs. I'm sure that's your favorite scene. <laughs> oh, God. No, I think <laughs> the worst one was when he opened up the 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 envelope that the book was in and it was all covered in cockroaches oh my god <laughs> disgusting disgusting um but yeah every time they show like a vent or something in this movie there's always a cockroach on it it's like, oh how can people live like that uh anyway it's gross sorry it's my own trauma <laughs> um so yeah so she coughs up all these bugs and worms um so we're like okay she's obviously getting infected um, and then the aunt goes to check on her and she's like in this weird squatting position, like on the countertop, like why you wouldn't immediately know something is seriously wrong at that point. I don't know. Um, but she goes like, Bridget, are you OK? And she turns and she's eating a wine glass. OK, she's got the dead eyed eyes going. So we, we already know she's possessed, but she's eating a wine glass. And now I'm going to say this is the worst part of this whole movie is then she proceeds to say, I have to eat glass to kill the, the creepies in my tummy or something. In my tummy. Oh my God. I don't want them in my tummy. And she doesn't say it once. She says it like three times. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is horrible. (laughs) Again, I wanted to throw rotten tomatoes at the screen. I'm like, this is horrible. (laughs) Um, yeah. So she's eating glass to kill the creepy crawlies in her tummy. Um, and it, we see like the glass, like going down her throat and then like poking through her throat and everything. So obviously, obviously bad things have happened here. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah so we're, we get into a, a, a fight scene here. Um, and then eventually I'm trying to think, I think she throws up on Danny, right? Well, she stabs him multiple times with a arm with a knife. Right, right. And then proceeds to throw up on his face, which is the traditional way of infecting them. Um, So, yeah, so they they eventually they bludgeons her with like a a like with this cast iron skillet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He hits her with the the skillet. Then he hits her with a pot, whatever. Yeah. And then he gets held down and stabbed and whatever. And then uh, the little girl ends up killing her with her. That was probably the funniest part of the movie is she has this doll head on a broomstick that she calls Staffany, which I, I was like, that's funny. <laughs> like, that's good for a seven year old, right? That's a good pun for a seven year old. Um, anyway, no, it, it, that's not that's not that's not here yet. Uh, he sets her on fire. That's where you get your another click click of the stove later on after she's tied up and she attacks again is where she gets stabbed with Staffany, I believe. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they they like they put her in a blanket and tie her up because they think that she's gonna come back because the mom already came back. Um and then after that, uh I think that's when I think the thing with the girl 
almost letting the mom in happens where the mom does the thing where she's like singing the song to the little girl. The little girl yes. opens the door. Um, they manage to fight the mom off, but you know, they, the, the little girl learns a valuable lesson that that's not actually her mom anymore. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then I believe uh, that's when Danny, or no, that's when they, they, uh, Danny shows Beth the recordings at that point. And she like listens to right. him trying to find a way to like reverse it or fix it. Yeah. She starts at the last record. Right. Um, and yeah, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, the guy's basically just saying everybody's dead. <laughs> There's no way to stop it. The only way to stop it is the only thing he hasn't tried is complete dismemberment. Yep. And that's it. He says, that's the only thing you can do. There's no, there's no way to reverse it. It's just, yes. It's, it's, it's when she's, it's when she's listening to that. That's when the, the sister Bridget gets back up because it's right. just the kids by themselves. Well, the Bridget comes back and then the mom also gets in because she actually finds the that the cat was in the vent. So she knows that the vent is traversable. So she goes in there. Um, so then there's, yeah, there's like a showdown between Beth and Ellie and then there's also a uh, a showdown between Danny and uh, Bridget. Um, yeah. So they're they're yeah they're fighting each other. Um, and then Danny ends up getting infected as well. Um, so then now there's there's mom, uh, Bridget, and Danny are all deadites now. And so then Beth grabs Cassie, and she like escapes. She manages to get out in the hallway because now she's not out there anymore. Um, and they, she gets in the elevator and they, the power comes back on <laughs> enough for her to hit the down arrow. Um, and then they're going down and then the elevator completely just fills with blood. Um, yes. and there's a long scene of them just like sitting in there watching the blood rising up and stuff like this from all these different angles and stuff. They keep showing it over and over and over again. Um, and then while that's happening, I believe the the Bridget and Danny are like reaching into and like tearing pieces out of the mom. Um, but we don't yeah. see why. Um, we at see, this point. we see. Yeah, but we see everyone coming in the hallway back to life as a deadite, and this is where we get dead by dawn. Yeah, <laughs> right? whatever. We have to. We have to throw that in there. We don't yes. have to. I'm just, I'm just saying because they show, yeah, they see, show them digging into it because the mom doesn't make a comment early on where she's possessed. Like, I just wanted to kill you all and go inside your bodies. And that's what we're assuming Danny and Bridget are doing to the mom at this point in time because at this point the she get, got her uh, leg shot off with the shotgun, her arm shot off, so she's missing a couple of limbs. Right, the mom is yeah. Um, right. So as the elevator is filling up with blood, apparently it reaches its weight limit. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then the wires snap and it crashes down, uh, all the way to the, the parking garage on the bottom floor and all the blood spills out. So Beth and Cassie are okay, but they're super covered with blood. Um, and then they're in the parking garage. So they get in the car, um, and they basically, they open up the gate and they're about to run away. And then the big monster, comes out which is now a fused mom bridget and danny together into like this multi-armed monstrosity thing yes um so it's coming after them they manage to slip out of the car um and then they're kind of like sneaking around in the parking garage 
Um, the parking garage gate starts closing again. So her and Cassie make a run for the gate. Uh, Beth gets under it. Uh, Cassie gets grabbed and dragged back. Yep. Um, so Beth then, you know, is freaking out trying to get in. Of course, she doesn't have the clicker. So she just kind of beats down the, I guess, the grating on the side of the gate. Uh, yeah. She ends up getting back in. And uh, Cassie has been brought to uh, what is it, tree surgery, <laughs> a, a tree surgery yeah. truck. And she's in the back of this tree surgery truck that has a chainsaw in it. Um, yep. And she gets dragged back in there. Um, so Beth ends up getting back in, pulling Cassie out um, and then gets she gets the chainsaw and then is like trying to brandish it. But she can't. She keeps getting it knocked out of her hand, keeps dropping it, can't start it. Uh, so she doesn't actually yeah. do anything there. And then as they're struggling and fighting, uh, they turn on the wood chipper, which is apparently the trailer on the tree surgery truck. Uh, she's trying to shove or the mom monstrosity is trying to shove Beth into this thing, um, which she's not successful in. Um, Cassie ends up shutting it off before she can get her in there. Um, so she goes back to Cassie um, to try to get her again. Um, and then Beth gets the shotgun that she did bring down with her, but she hasn't really used until this point. Um, and then shoots the mom, uh, I guess in her multi, but <laughs> Not all while saying, come get some. Oh, yeah. Well, well, no, she says that after she shoots her the first time. Oh, yeah. She shoots her once in the butt, and then she turns around, and then she says, come get some, and then proceeds to just fall down. Yep. <laughs> and then, yeah, she falls down, doesn't shoot, doesn't do anything. Um, so then Cassie turns the chipper back on, and then they manage to both kind of wrangle her into the chipper. Um, we see the one the son get pulled in. We see the daughter get pulled in and we see the mom gets pulled in all the way, except for like her head. And she's still like talking to her. Um, and then she like takes the chainsaw and like stabs her in the head. Yes. <laughs> and then finally pushes her and she gets all. Pulpified. Like, yeah. Pulpified. <laughs> just super dismembered. <laughs> um, and so then they like uh, survive and then that's it. Um, well, that's it for that whole thing. And then finally, <laughs> we see uh, the girl who was the sick, you know, girlfriend friend from the very beginning of the movie lived in the same building, just on a different floor. Yep. And they show her going out to her car in the morning, like getting ready for her lake trip. And she goes into the into the garage. And I thought for sure she was just going to drive away without noticing all the fucking blood and shit everywhere. But at the last minute, but at the last minute, she does notice all the blood and everything. So she gets out of her car and she goes like, oh, no, what happened here? And then like we get the classic demon, you know, flowing through the ground yeah. from like multiple directions into her. And I guess that's supposed to signify that she's now infected. And that's how the beginning of the movie happened. Yep. Which seemed pretty pointless. Like I don't think that you needed those bookends. <laughs> I don't think I don't think those bookends were there. I think the movie stood on its own without the bookends. I don't even understand. Well, I the think point it was just, I think it was just to show that the that the evil is still alive and it's a it's a cliffhanger for the next thing. Yeah, but you could have done that without the beginning. True. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't understand the bookend thing. I understand like you want a sequel, so you're going to do that, you know, like show it being infected. Like, I understand that. 
but like I don't understand the whole beginning I, part. I think it was to uh, show that the that some people went to a cabin in the woods. <sighs> yeah, I That's guess it. maybe. Uh yeah, but yeah, end of movie. No post credits. No groovy. None of that stuff. So I mean, we saw this yesterday at time of recording. Right. I mean, what was your first thoughts on this? Um, I like the I like the look of the movie. Um, I mean, like the, the the lighting, the cinematography. I think they did a good job with that. They did a great job with the atmosphere and setting. Mm-hmm. You know, I I really liked uh, that. I, I, you kind of feel that old building feel to it. You know, like they keep talking about it, but you really get that feeling from it. And like I said it was it was definitely well shot. Um, and for the most part, um, at certain points, it's it's the acting is good. Um, I'm not going to say it is all the time. I'll go into that a little bit later, but, um, yeah, it's, it's not bad overall. There are some, some glaring things like the electric stove thing just really, really <laughs> bothered me. I was just like, how big of a, like, how does no one understand how a stove works? Like, like yeah. how many people work on a movie? Right. I mean, there's like a hundred people that had to see that and then still let it release. Like you get a very easily just just take the clicking out. That's all you needed to do. Nobody really needs to like understand why it's working. It could have been an old timey pilot light stove. Right. You know, it doesn't matter. Just take the clicking out of it. Having the clicking in there when there is definitely a power outage happening is just lazy. And well, yeah, as you're right, most people don't understand is that clicking is the ignition of the spark. Right. Does yeah. Yeah, and, and again, it's like and, uh, apparently everybody who did this doesn't know that, or or anybody who does anybody who did know that just probably kept their mouth shut. But like all of the people that had a say in what comes in and what goes out didn't say a word. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just it bothered me a whole lot. Um, but anyway, it's I mean, other than that, it was uh, it was cool. I mean, I liked that they actually used like real fake blood instead of just red water. <laughs> <laughs> um that was cool i mean but there's a lot of it like i said that whole elevator was like filled up with it and that was like the real stuff yeah it was like the thicker the, the than water thick stuff right yeah it was like the thicker than water that yeah. that normal blood color it was like the real stuff they used a lot of it yeah um, i mean what what i mean as we have watched you know the trilogy we watched evil dead and then this you know how do you how do you feel like this fit in with the franchise as a whole do you think it was closer to the og trilogy or do you think it was more in line like a true sequel to evil dead 2013 um yeah i mean again it's i think it's uh it follows exactly what evil dead did is it's a spiritual successor in the mm-hmm. same world <laughs> um but yeah that's essentially what it is it's completely unrelated to the 2013 evil dead basically related only in thematically to the original trilogy. Um, again, it's, it's a spiritual successor in the same world. So I guess yeah. it would be definitely be I closer mean, to evil dead 2013 than the original. The look of the deadites is, is exactly the same. I feel right. So yeah, the, the visual effects are evil Dead 2013 hands down, but yeah. like, you know, Lee Crowen goes, hey, I'm going to continue in the same vein, the same possession look from 10 years ago and continue it. So that's why I felt like it was a uh, is a sequel to 
both the OG and 2013. Um, I, you know, th thematically, yes, it looks great. I get the feels of the old house. Um, and I thought it was very interesting that, yeah, I'm like, we, I mean, we look at the, you know, these people are supposed to be teenagers or 20 years old in the first Evil Dead movie, but there's actual teenagers again in this. And I don't know, it's, it's the point where like they seem maybe young enough to be safe from all this, but yet not. Because now we're actually getting teenagers playing teenagers in horror movies as opposed to people in their twenties and thirties playing teenagers. Well, yeah, I think I think they can do that now. Yeah, for for whatever yeah. reason they didn't back then, Correct. but they can do that now, so they do. Yeah, and I thought it was uh as we discuss a lot is when we think we see, you know, the on screen kills of kids is that it's more acceptable now than it ever was. Um, and I thought it was, I thought is is pretty, uh, I wouldn't say ballsy, but pretty good of them to actually do that. Like now we're at the point where teenagers are able to like play deadites and stuff like that, as opposed to, you know, whatever rules and regulations that are in place for younger actors. Um, well, yeah, the rules loosen up, uh, again, over time, of course they do because people get desensitized to it. So, like, right. you know, when this stuff was still new and fresh in the 70s and 80s, um, yeah, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of things that, oh, you can't do that. That's too far. But eventually yeah. people get so desensitized that, like, you know, baby step, baby step, baby step. And you get there within the few years. Right. So that's like from the 70s yeah. and 80s until now. Yeah, we've gotten to the point now where you can kill a kid. <laughs> you can kill yep. a kid brutally <laughs> and it's okay. on screen. Right. On and, screen. It, and it's OK. <laughs> Because, again, it's baby steps to get here. But, you know, now that we're here now, everybody expects this kind of stuff from a horror movie, right? Like, if you watch a horror movie and it doesn't have gory stuff, kids getting their arms ripped off and shit, you know, it's like you feel like you're you're missing out. <laughs> like, this right. isn't a horror movie. This is a kid's movie. Yeah. And, and I thought this was a, a, a decent entry into the franchise, that this may be trying to reignite the spark of the universe. And I thought it was a very solid entry because of it. Um, well, I prefer it to be a little bit closer to the OG a little bit, but it did feel like a successor to both in, the, in its own right. Well, like I said, I mean, after the first movie, it's basically just a vehicle to, for, for Bruce Campbell to ham it up on screen. So oh, in, in order for them to keep it going, they would have to find someone to ham it up like Bruce Campbell did. But again, it only worked because of that time period that he was in. If he does it now, people are going to like it. It's going to come off as heavy handed and schlocky and people aren't going to like it. I mean, I think it worked fairly well with the TV show. Because but, but yeah, because it was him again. Yeah, it's uh, there's enough fans yes. of the franchise that it's going to be for a cable show. Sure, they're going to have enough to have a few seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think uh, if it wasn't him, the schlockiness is going to be really hard to do. Well, that yeah, that's what I'm saying. But in order for them to maintain, you know, continuity with the OG trilogy, that's what they would have to do. I mean, because yeah. 
regardless of all the other shit that's happening in those movies. It again is just a vehicle for Bruce Campbell to, to show off his three stooges slapstick comedy <laughs> in a horror setting. I mean, that's essentially what they are, right? Uh, yeah. Evil dead two is done. Well, I, again, I don't really think it was done that well in army darkness. Again, I think they went way too heavy with this three stooges gags and it just, just tiring. Right. Um, but Again, Evil Dead 2 is that's the peak of it, right? That like it was fantastic. That movie was great. Yeah. But I think, yeah, any more than that, you're pushing it. <laughs> and again, I think Army Darkness right. was pushing it. And if you go even further now, I don't think, well, I wouldn't like it. I I'm sure fans of the franchise would eat it no matter what it is, but oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, I would. But, you know, I'm I don't know. I, I think it takes the schlockiness takes a special type of fan to enjoy it. The cheesiness of it all. I like it uh, when it's done well. It's just, again, right. it gets to the point where they just throw whatever dumbass schlocky shit they feel like at you. And I think people that are into the franchise eat it up no matter if it's good or bad. There's no, you can't tell what's good or bad because the fans are always going to say it's great. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with the show. I mean, if if we if you want to talk about the show, that's the problem with the show is it got more and more stupid as time went along, but everybody kept saying how great it was. And it really wasn't. It started out good. I'm not gonna say it didn't start out well. It started out well, but as it went along, it got dumber and dumber and the jokes got stupider and stupider. And everybody's like, Oh, I still love it. It's the same schlocky nonsense that I always loved. And again, they're like, but you lost a lot of people. You lost enough people where the show couldn't keep going anymore. Correct. Yeah, and that, I think that's what happened is they kept pushing that line so far that it just got to the point where people that aren't super fans that will li like anything, none of those, no one outside of that circle is watching it anymore. Therefore, it can't sustain itself. Right. Now, do you do you do you feel like if this is the next jumping point for the for the universe, this was a a good entry for it, better than twenty thirteen? Yeah, I mean, I, I think both of them are, you know, as stories told in the same universe, I think they're still good. I mean, they're both, they're not bad. Um, again, it was just, there's bad parts to them. Right. <laughs> Can this formula be done well? Absolutely. I think this one was done better than the 2013 one was. Um, but we, again, we're not talking about much. But I, again, it's like, if the franchise keeps going in this direction, yeah, it's fine. You don't you don't need Bruce Campbell to keep going as a franchise, as we've seen with most other franchise. They don't really have returning characters. Right. And I would as, as we as we go along these franchises that we always say that eventually there is a return to form. Right. It usually takes the original people to have a return to form or you get crap that we haven't discussed, like the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. And. um that just the problematic and i think this is this is where this is back to what evil dead should be the 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 pure terror the pure horror as much as we possibly can get we don't need the jokiness we don't need the slockiness of it and, th and this movie especially proves that it works really well outside of the cabin outside of continuity potentially with with the original trilogy or with ash and that there's great potential for further direction of this and I hope oh, I, it, it's the spark yeah that's i mean that's definitely i mean i, mean, I would hope it does um, i think evil dead is much better without the camp i mean yeah i mean i don't really like it i think again evil dead 2 was great you know they it had just the right level 
of camp compared to the horror elements of it. Right. It was fun. You know, there was a lot of interesting things happening. And again, that formula was off (laughs) in the other movies. I mean, it was just, (laughs) you know, and again, most of the other movies that are trying to push that same envelope, that's what they do. They just try to ham it up thinking that Mm -hmm. they're going to get people that are, uh, you know, like, again, not necessarily even movies that Bruce Campbell is in, but the, the kind of people that are Bruce Campbell fans, a lot of people make movies for that fan base. Yes. Um, And all of those movies are just like fan service. They just throw in stupid things in there because they're like, oh, people love this because they love acts. Right. Like, oh, you love yeah. Evil Dead. So you'll like this guy that says groovy, you know, even though he's not Bruce Campbell, but he says it. So everybody's like, oh, he said the thing. This is my right. new favorite movie. Yeah, because people are dumb and they they like things simply because they are told to like them. Right. And, you know, as we've discussed in the past and really 2022 and 2023 for franchises, continuations are really going in the right direction. Except, you know, maybe Halloween kills or Halloween ends. Oh, um, well, it's end. it but, ended, though. It's over. Yeah, I know. That's a I good know. thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, But. You know, I, I don't know what you would have thought of, of my thoughts of these because, you know, I have issues sometimes with people tainting the franchise, right? As we discussed Rob Zombie and stuff like that. Um, but for, for me being obviously very obsessed with, with the OG trilogy, um, and I think it's good that for someone like me being the one of the biggest fanboys to really enjoy not this not being part of that you know what i mean it doesn't bother me because i like the franchise obviously a lot and i'm excited for this franchise going forward even without ash yeah that's great i think it's better because (laughs) ash isn't a part of it right yeah yeah i mean he had the show i mean it's not like he didn't get (laughs) ever like all that screen time i mean he got tons of it so yeah and I think this is just that that this is oh, we'll just roll into the highlights, right? This is a, a step in the right direction for this franchise, showing that it can continue without all these things here. Is it fun to have little Easter eggs here and there? Of course it is, right? Um, right. Well, yeah, it's but, a franchise. I mean, as a franchise, you're right. obligated to to call back to other parts <laughs> of the franchise. It's it's like in your contract. Right. But I mean, you know, it's we show that we can do this and, you know, without the the icon, the face of the franchise, which is really hard to do, which I don't think Alien did well enough without Ripley. Um, But I think, you know, Hellraiser 2022 did fantastic without Doug, you know, Doug Bradley. And it, it shows that people are understanding the material and understand enough of the franchise to take the love and care for it without the originals. And that's why I think, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 failed because we won Robert England and it could have been good, but it wasn't. And I think it's going to take another something like this to reinvigorate the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, to reinvigorate the Friday the 13th franchise without the original people part of it. And that's the biggest highlight for me of this movie is that we were able to, that this movie was able to do that to step out of the shadow of Sam Raimi and, and Bruce Campbell and make it their own and make it great. That's fair. You know, and and that's, that's, that's what gives me hope for this franchise is 
I'm okay with franchises without the original people. If we talked Star Wars, you know, the, the sequel trilogy, I've been okay with other people being in it other than the original stars. I would have preferred it that way. And I said, I didn't know if I was going to enjoy these movies without it being tied to it, but I find myself being a fan of horror that it's still great to me without that there. So uh, I'm, I'm ecstatic to see where this franchise continues. Um, and the you know, highlights is, you know, for the most part, the effects were pretty good. Um, I don't feel like it was lag lacking in, in gore. I mean, was the cheese grater scene as good as what they portrayed it and everyone thought it was going to be? Yeah, the cheese grater scene was just one great and that was it. And it didn't seem that bad. I mean, it, it probably wouldn't have felt good. <laughs> no. But. but I mean, I I feel like uh, I'll just roll it and we'll get into your highlights and low points. Overall, like, the gore factor, there's more body horror in Evil Dead 2013 than there was in this one. You know what I mean? There's like, I feel like less bodily damage done <laughs> in Evil Dead Rise than 2013 Evil Dead. Um, I mean, I don't know. People got eaten by a wood chipper. I mean, a kid got his arms ripped off. Yeah. You know, a dude got his eye bitten out of his head. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was plenty of stuff that happened. It, But for some reason to me, it didn't feel as visceral. I I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, what, what are your highlights and low points? I mean, um, the low point is going to be, you know, the vomiting of bugs and worms and stuff. But. Um, well, yeah, we'll get there. Um, yeah. I'd say the, the highs, uh, like I said, I like the blood quality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just because so many of the other, uh, the, the original trilogy was just bit lousy <laughs> with uh, one blood, like, you know, being any more than red water or green water. It was most of the time it was that. I mean, the blood continuity. You know, so mm-hmm. like people get soaked with blood in one scene and then literally a camera cut and they're dry. I mean, it was the constant in the original trilogy. And it was th- this is what yes. I thought did a really good job with not only the blood quality, but the blood continuity also was very good. Um, And then the, I would say the acting overall, the acting was pretty good in this. Um, The funny part is, is that once they become like deadites, their acting ability tanks. Oh, especially Bridget. Right. I mean, it was like she was she was solid as a as Bridget, as the older sister. Like, you know, she was solid all, all around. I thought she was great. And then she becomes the deadite. And it was just like, you know, sound the foghorn. It was terrible. It was horrible. <laughs> like, I need to kill the creepy crawlies and my tummy. It's like, why are you talking like you're four years old? <laughs> like, even your younger sister Correct. is older than that. What is, what is the problem here? Yes. Yeah, but again, overall, but the acting before they turned into Deadites was great. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. I would I would say it's a high point. Um, low points. Um, I already mentioned the stove. We all know I don't like bugs. There was too many bugs. Uh, we I already talked about the demon voices, right? Because again, it carries yep. into this one when they're talking in their demon voice. I don't know if they had the same sound guy or what, but um, it was not great. But I'm going to say by far. The most thing I did not like about this movie was the sound itself. It was so unnecessarily loud and screeching and squealing. And it kept going during like 
normally you're supposed to have the sound to like, you know, amplify your, your nervousness, right. To kind of put you in that situation, build that tension. And it was nothing but like loud, scraping, squealing, horrible. And like people are trying to talk over it and you can't even hear them. It's so loud. It is literally drowning out all the other sound effects, all the other words that are spoken. It's so freaking loud. I don't know who thought this was a great idea. And it started off with like, when the Evil Dead Rise came up behind that girl when she was floating above the lake, it was so it was so loud. I mean, like yeah. it shut. I mean, one thing that was good is it shut everyone in the theater up because there was no way your brain yes. could contemplate anything other than that noise at that time. <laughs> but it, they do that throughout the movie. And it's like I, they try to use it as a jump scare sometimes, even when things aren't happening on the screen. They just this squelching noise just comes in and it just like scrambles your brain because it's so friggin' loud. I mean, it wasn't just the theater we were in. I mean, obviously I've dealt with loud movies in the past. It's just the way it's not music. It's not tension building. It's just noise. It's just loud, like annoying noise. And they kept using that over and over and over again. And it really, really bothered. It really put me off. I, I was like dreading every encounter when it before it was going to happen. He goes, "Like here comes that fucking noise again." <laughs> yeah, I mean, as as we've discussed, you know, stuff with like Halloween that sometimes silence is more effective than noise. You don't have to have noise continuing going the entire movie. Silence is just as effective, if, some, if sometimes not more effective. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not asking for silence. I, yeah, you want to put music or you know tension building sounds in your in your movie that's fine but it does not need to be as eardrum shattering as it is in this movie <laughs> it is ridiculous like seriously i don't even know it would be one of those movies that if you're watching it at home you know when the people are talking you're like what are they saying and so you like turn the volume up to hear what the people are saying and then the next encounter is going to hit that that huge horrible sound is going to come in and it's going to wake up all your freaking neighbors your dog is going to start barking like glasses in your kitchen are going to start shattering because it's so fucking stupid loud why why do you need to do this you can tell things but you know other than this horrible noise like there's bad things happening on the screen just focus on that don't try to blow out my eardrums yeah i don't know it bothered me (laughs) That's that's fair. That's fair. I mean, yes, we were in more immersive theater when we saw it, too. So it probably amplified it for us. Again, I, I've seen many, many movies in that theater. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and I've, I've never been bothered. You know, sometimes I'm like, wow, that's loud. But it's like just because I'm in there. No, this right. one, it was like this is intentionally trying to, like, scramble my brain with this noise. <laughs> Uh yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Uh any other highlights, low points for you though? No, that's it. Okay. Uh we'll start with you on this one. How many Necronomicons out of ten would you give this movie? Um, I will give this one six Necronomicons out of ten. So slightly better than twenty thirteen. Correct. Uh I mean it's definitely better. I, I completely feel that. And I probably will watch this one. I mean, the wife needs to see it at some point when it, when it comes out and on digital. I'll have her watch it as well. Um, 
but no, it, it gave me it made me hopeful for the franchise again as as a whole. Um, I, I'm probably going just on the one we watch. I'm probably going to uh, eight point five. Um, you know, it's better than Army Darkness. Yeah. Um, well, I, for different reasons. Yes, for different reasons. Uh, but it 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 will probably. It, it's probably good enough for me to then continue the when I, on the rewatches to, you know, watch one through three. Dread watching, not not dread watching, but you know, watch Evil Dead twenty thirteen to get to this as as a franchise rewatch. Um, so it's definitely making my list of rewatches, and I'm sure there's gonna be more stuff that I didn't necessarily catch in the theater with Easter eggs. So I'd caught a lot of Easter eggs and that I thought I was able to see um, just because, like I said, such a huge fanboy of the franchise. But no, like I said, excited for the next jumping point and where this series goes. I'm there for it. All right. Anything else to add to this episode before we go ahead and wrap this up? Nope. All right, well, in that case, forget spaghetti westerns. Let's get more spaghetti horror movies, right? Join us next week as we go back into the works of Dario Argentio in another director spotlight episode where we'll be watching and reviewing some movies that may not have watched ever, like Phenomena or Inferno, Deep Red, and Opera. Um, I'm excited because we were, I was generally surprised by our first spotlight of dario gento with movies you watch how about you yeah no yeah it's that's yeah it's been a while coming but yeah it's uh i'm looking forward to it yes so until then remember we watch bad movies so you don't have to this has been graveyard saying have you checked on the children Uh, this is salem saying long live the new flesh 